Mary Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doctor Who for the very first time. My name's Jake. With me are them couples, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer, Terry. This week, we're here to talk about Rosa, written by Mallory Blackman and Chris Chibnall, directed by Mark Tondurai, aired October 21st, 2018. Jill. Yes? What'd you think of this one? Get a shift on. I thought most of it was really well done. I have a few issues with it. Um, mostly it, it was, I mean, it was a super heavy episode. So I, I, it was engaging. Like I stayed, you can't look away at all, you know, like the, the story draws you in. But it's not one that I'd ever want to watch again. And I was telling Alex before this, usually <laughs> I've been rewatching it before because i like we watched it last night and then i was gonna watch it again i'm like i can't rewatch this one like, i just can't go through it again so i think it it did what it was meant to do cody this was a bad doctor who episode it was a good documentary there is a time when this is what most doctor who episodes were like that's what Sam said too. Well, but yeah, back in like the sixties, they used to do like pure historicals where there were no bad guys or anything. Yeah, if it was still that way, there's no fucking way I'd still be watching it. Doctor Who was originally <laughs> supposed to like teach you about history. I was like, this is what it would have been like for all the episodes. Sam, what do you think? I enjoyed it, and it is a super heavy hitting episode. Um, it might be because I'm super pregnant, uh, but this is like the closest I've got to crying since the um, <laughs> since middle school. Since ever? No, <laughs> since no. middle school. <laughs> no, since the um, what was the other episode? Oh my gosh, Vincent and the Doctor. Yep the the Van Gogh episode. So there you go. That's that's how I feel. I thought it was good. Um. Before I ask Terry what he thought, I'll let you know I watched it with him today. Terry now lives in my house, so we, you know, we were being socially distant. Um, you don't have to socially distance if you live together. I just mean like I didn't oh. like oh, invite gotcha. him over to go. No. Like, <laughs> you he didn't like hang out. <laughs> it's I terrible. understand. Um, <laughs> socially intertwined. Don't yeah. judge us. <laughs> and I, I think I counted four times where he just goes, "Oh no." <laughs> so, Terry, what'd you think? Uh, I, <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um, I am not a huge history person at all. So when I knew it was like Rosa Parks, I was like, oh man, I hope this isn't going to turn into like a sad historical document type of thing. But it was really fun seeing how the doctor was mixed in. And instead of like trying to fix something and like change it for the better, it was like trying to keep it as how it should go and having this 
weird leather jacket dude jump in there <laughs> was really odd, but I I found it interesting and it was pretty fun to watch. Jake? Yeah. What do you think? Um I think I like this story less every time I watch it. Like the setting's beautiful, it's shot well, the acting's good, music's terrible. And yeah, it's right. Just like, Ending with Rise was amazing. Oh my god! I was gonna no. say oh, that's that why, was like I'm talking about the new music written for the episode. Okay, fine. There's like this one sting that kept that like crept through the whole thing that was just like way like people always give Murray Gold shit for telling you how you're supposed to feel, and this was egregious in that regard. Um, there's nothing I really dislike about it other than I think it's really cheesy most of the time and apart from some really hard-hitting well-done scenes that like without those it would be real bad but those do kind of lift it up to a uh, something i'm happy to watch but you know a little less happy every time i remember talking about this episode like when we started recording or shortly after we started yeah, recording. this would have come out you know, during the time that our, like, third episode released. Yeah, you were mentioning um, they had a, a period a shift piece on. where there was, you know, a hint of racism. And then you were like, oh, there's an episode where there is pure racism. And, yeah, this <laughs> this one's it. Well, well we yeah, talk- we kind of talked about it with Martha's season where you know, her fears of traveling through time as a black person were kind of swept under the rug by the doctor, just poo-pooed away. And then we get a little bit of, you know, having to deal with it with Bill um, in one episode. And then here, we just get into it right away in 50s Alabama. With Ryan, of all people, like, damn. How can you be racist against Ryan? I mean, how could he be racist against anybody? But Ryan, like, <laughs> seriously. Yeah, I think to your point, Jake, it was kind of off-putting for me watching a second time where they were trying to do the Doctor Who, like, kind of upbeat, side joke, like, one-liners here and there. But it didn't really mesh well, which then made that those parts cheesy with, like, the real focus matter of what they were trying to oh, do. Oh, that's not really what I meant. Oh, really? Um, okay, that's what yeah, I felt. Yeah, I kind of... I like those parts that are just dumb. Like when they're in the hotel and the doctor's all like, or am I Banksy and shit like that? Like, that's fine. And I do kind of like the scenes that are just the doctor and the bad guy. Um, Craster, is that his name? I thought it was Crosco. Um, <laughs> I just uh, I just wrote down racist. Yeah, I had no <laughs> idea what his name was. Space racist. Space um, racist. When, like, the scenes between just them, like, this is the first... Uh, episode where we really see the doctor mad and i like those scenes but like um it's just some of the some of the stuff where like the stuff with ryan in rose's house is super cheesy and kind of defeats like the importance of what's going on in there which is the oh yes martin luther king jr oh uh yeah i will hand that over to rosa part or whatever the hell he says yeah yeah he just stops and goes whoa 
Which the camera angles in that scene too were really weird. The camera like, scenes in a tiny, lot of sheer scenes were weird. Face shots of it all, yeah. just super mm-hmm. zoomed in, and I was a fan of that for a while. But they're abusing the fuck out of it. It's constant, and it's way too close. It's the whole screen. It's insane. Stop. Here's my biggest problem with the with the episode. So I'll get this off my chest right away. Um, and Alex and I like paused and argued about this in the middle. So feel free to argue this with me. Um, my biggest problem was the bus scenes where the TARDIS team was involved because they were talking over everybody on the bus as if they weren't there. And that was like <laughs> right. so out of character and out of scene. And it happened multiple times. And I hated it every single time because we know what's going to happen. We know like there's that tension about it. And, like, we're predicting the tension. And then for them to just be, like, planning over top was super uncomfortable and, like, just made it not as impactful when it actually happened. Yeah, it's staged like a play. Yeah. Where, like, because they're on a bus, they're all facing forward. And then the lead actors, even though they might not be in the front of the frame, they're the ones that the spotlight's on. And they're all talking very loudly. And everyone else is just going about their business. Like, they can't hear them, even though they're yelling. I hated that. Like, that ruined the episode for me. So my, my counter-argument to that was, I mean, they're on a bus in the 50s, and there's, like, this social tension. And if there's weird British people talking over everybody, like, I'm going to just sit in my seat and shut the fuck up. Like, I'm not going to say anything. Like, I'm just going to be like, these people are weird. I just want to get home. Like, I don't want to deal with this. But <laughs> at that point, they already had the radar on them. Like, the hotel scene happened prior to that. So everybody's already, like, suspicious of them. I can't imagine that everybody is going to, like, let them do this, like, whatever they're planning, whatever they're talking about, without interjecting. I just hated that. Hated all of that. The the part I really hated is they frequently just let Ryan run around 50s Montgomery alone. Right? And, like, <laughs> they had him, <laughs> having him be the recruiting for the people on the bus yeah. that is was ridiculous. Weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And super was. unsafe. Yeah. Like, especially they know what's coming. Yeah, and thus far, the way they're writing the character Ryan, like, he's unreliable at the best of times. <laughs> and they're like, hey, why don't you go be the guy that has to do this? And then... Uh, go ahead and murder the bad guy while you're at it. Yeah, like he picks up this foreign weapon, randomly fixes it, and then uses it on the bad guy and sends him further back in time where he can be racistly happy. I don't know. It, but like that was back just... to dinosaur times. Like he killed that guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, it wasn't broken. It was just overheated at that time. Yeah, yeah but he was monkeying with it in the... Motel. Well, the doctor had the other power cell for it, so he might have just popped the power cell in. And then he did turn the dial, because it was set to send people to the future. And he turned it all the way back to go as far backwards as backwards goes. And then killed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unforeseen. It that, that was weird. He played a weird role in this episode. Completely invisible hand into completely disappearing from the episode instantly i was kind of hoping he would be like a a new jack in that like he'd randomly come in and help the doctor with stuff and then it turned out he was a bad guy it's like oh never mind (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, or you were saying w- the bad guy was the new Jack. Yeah. Or, oh, or yes. he would be like the new master. I thought you were still talking about Ryan. I was like, and then he fucked everybody? What you <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Terry. It's been three episodes since the master died. Like, we don't need a new master. I really did see the potential <laughs> for a new Jack, though. I When I saw that vortex manipulator, vortex. I was curious. He, he wasn't bad looking. Uh, he, I agree. He was Why real Why can't we just looking. have Jack? Why do we need a new Jack? Did you see new Go Jack? Go get old Jack. Because by now he's probably Bo. <laughs> he's, he's turned face. Yes. <laughs> I really like that Graham is still like thinking smart and still having like little wisecracks and stuff in there throughout the episode. And practical. Um, like he's trying to get food in these people. Right? Like he brings it up like, <laughs> why do we never eat? <laughs> Cody is Graham. <laughs> My man's. Oh, we're traveling. We need food there, and also food there. And why are we leaving this food place? Because there's food here. Why? What? You get a hotel that has a restaurant. That's vacation. There's nothing <laughs> else. You want to walk? Fuck off. <laughs> uh, I will say, I really do like the the end. The fact that they have to be a part of like this horrible thing. And that they can't do anything to help. And I particularly like Jodie Whittaker's acting in that scene. Um, and and Manda Gill, too, when she first realizes. And I like that they let Yaz, like, figure it out right away. Because so many companions, like, just don't get time travel. And she immediately just goes, oh, my God, we were always here. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. fuck, I was part of the problem. <laughs> that That line is nuts. And that's the scene that got me. And I was going to shed some tears. It was really good. Yeah. They did a Agreed. very good job. They really did. That, like, having to back off and there's nothing you can do to stop it right now. Right. And just being a passerby and just like, Ugh. I can't help my friend in this situation. Or just knowing that you're the type of person in that day that was the problem. Like, mm-hmm. thinking that you could be like that today. It really makes you think about what you argue about in government today you're like am i on the wrong side of a problem right now or am i on the right side of the problems <laughs> right let's just all agree that giving bus drivers guns is always the wrong side <laughs> what the absolute fuck when the well, camera it's, showed it's alabama that? Yeah. yeah it is alabama yeah oh, i'm Speaking of... <laughs> rip Alabama. <laughs> I've been to Alabama. Alabama's always, fine. Shoot, always yeah. rip Alabama. <laughs> Three years ago, Cody and I were in Montgomery, and we went to the bus stop that Rosa Parks got on, and we got to um, go through the Rosa Parks Museum, and it was... Maybe that's why... I mean, I think anyways I would have had an emotional attachment to this episode, but maybe seeing the actual location has more to do but it's just fun, fun. Can you call that fun? Seeing actual <laughs> history. It is, it's really different than anything we've seen because we know how it's going to end. Like, you know that they don't fix it, mm-hmm. but like they fixed part of the problem by taking out the bad guy or whatever else, but they still can't, like you, they couldn't change history in that story and I think that's what was so heavy for me throughout because you know that like no matter what they're doing that's still gonna happen because it's a right. huge part of history also this is super ignorant of me 
but I had no idea that the Rosa Parks thing was such a big world ordeal. Like <laughs> Alex kind of said the same thing when we went over this episode for brothers. Well, Alex I, didn't know that there was racism in other countries. I didn't. I didn't think that there was like the absolute like sheer amount of racism in other countries like it is here. But I guess why not? Why wouldn't it be other places? I'm kind of with Alex on that one. Just based off of the movies that I see that come out of the UK. Like now, even now, Hollywood feels super fucking racist. Because it is. But yeah. I see a shitload of uh, British films. And they're so fucking inclusive of all kinds of makes and models. Like right. they, they just have every race and every like beauty scale between five and 10 usually, <laughs> but it's just there's, better. There's another doctor podcast I listened to where they kind of brought this up during this episode that like, Oh, here in the UK, we don't think of race in the same way as they do in the States. So, you know, this might've touched differently there. And I just wanted to be doing, you're four old white dudes. <laughs> like, get one black guy on here to see how he feels about race in the UK. And then yeah. also, we tend to think of racism as white versus black when there's so many other kinds of racism in the world. Like, um, oh, Canada hates Indians. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, like, Australia and China have real race problems and, like, Korea and China and just China and everybody, just <laughs> Japan, and, Japan and China. <laughs> like, well, there's a lot of racism that doesn't include just black and white people. It was it was just interesting to like everything that Ryan knew about Rosa Parks came from his grandma, who like made it seem like she almost was like a scholar of that time and that event because she even brought it up when she first met Graham. And well, because he was a bus driver, so she she's like, "You're not that like that racist prick, right?" That's how but, Graham knew that. But yeah, I yeah, think it's funny. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, there's people who focus on like the you know history of their race, and yeah, yeah. It was it was just neat to see like that ending scene was super hard, like hard hitting. But then when the doctor was talking through it, it's like. It it continued to be hard. Like her husband lost his job, she lost her job. Uh, like they had hard times, but then it showed her getting that medal with President Clinton, and mm -hmm. that's when it like started hitting me. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure she would have liked to like not being poor her entire life yeah. instead of some fucking medal. But you know, yeah. you take what you can get. Yeah, I kind of right. wish they would have ended the episode with that rather than <laughs> going out into space and then going like, look, here's an asteroid named Rosa Parks. Is that a true thing? I, my brain like stopped and like, what does this have to do with anything? Like, is this like, yeah, I didn't change, understand it. Like, what was but, the significance? Change that scene, which is them in the back of the crowd at this event where she's getting the award and yeah. have like a yeah. fake Bill Clinton Forrest giving Gump it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. Would no been, kidding. That would have been so much better. Instead, they're like, you Doctor think? Who? <laughs> instead, he's like, or she's like, oh, you think that's cool? Check out this asteroid <laughs> that some nerd at NASA named. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Like, I expected her to like, and right next to it, you will see Miley, Miley Cyrus. And it's like, great. Or if they explained it to be like, this asteroid in this galaxy super far away was named by somebody a billion years in the future. And they named it Rosa Parks because her name still resonates in 
human culture a billion years from now, then yeah, that's something. But just to be like, hey, check out this asteroid that got named in 1978. <laughs> their their tagline with it was terrible. Like, she made a huge impact on the world and the universe. Yeah, I was going to say they it's said... Like, this isn't her. It's yeah. something named poorly. Named well, we poorly. Know, we know oh, it no. was the universe because that uh, future racist... <laughs> came all the way back to stop her because he hated uh, space racist spacist oh, yeah but yeah like he came all the way back to stop her from doing what she did because of the impact in the future which kind of speaks to how big the moment was too also speaks to people continue to be shitty forever right yeah well it yeah. kind of it's a little <laughs> defeatist like yeah. oh so it never matters <laughs> like it's Man. just bad forever the scene in the cafe reminded me so hard of just people losing their shit about masks these days <laughs> it was like the same bullshit it's like why just be cool like just be fine don't be an asshole it was weird can i go on a mask rant is that permission sure do it a local <laughs> radio talk show host whom I oh, despise had a whole hour today talking about how he went into a gas station. We have a mask mandate in town, by the way. He went into a gas station without a mask on. He got four steps in. They said, hey, do you have a mask? He said, nope. And they and then he stared at them, the person behind the counter who asked if he had a mask on. They didn't say anything, so he turned around and left and went to a different business, and his whole spiel was about how someone else is going to get his business because this person confronted him for not wearing a mask. Good. And how rude that they confronted him, and why is it such a big deal? He was just going to use the bathroom and buy a candy bar. He shouldn't have to wear a mask. Take your business elsewhere because I don't want to lose money in my business because you're spreading your nasty germs everywhere because you're gross. God damn. Hopefully that candy bar would have kept that business afloat. Yeah, and we lose we lose money because we had to shut down because all of our employees got sick at the same time. As a retailer, when people threaten, I will just take my business elsewhere, we don't care. It's like, Thank that's, God. There's right. more people who will give money. Like, you don't have to be here because you are a dick. That cracks me up. Like, do they really think that they're keeping this store afloat right now? Right? <laughs> that's Probably um... costs more to flush after you used your bathroom than <laughs> right. one candy bar is worth. The ding of the bell from when they opened the door costs more than the revenue they get off that candy bar. But that person didn't even do anything. They didn't go off on him. They just said, hey, do you have a mask? And he <laughs> <Right>. said no <laughs> and threw a fit. I did find out that that asteroid was named in 2010. Oh my gosh. So one thing I was going to kind of complain about, and it's not really a fair complaint, but this writer was specifically brought on to do this story. And to burn a fun fact, um, first female person of color to write any Doctor Who story. Um, Actually, first person of color to write a Doctor Who story. There's um, Vinay Patel will write a story in a few weeks that we'll watch. The two of them are the first people of color at all to write on Doctor Who. Noel Clark, who played Mickey, did write an episode of Torchwood. Hmm. But a 60-year-old show just named three people of color among the main show and all of its spinoffs who have written for it. Yeah, you're doing okay, UK. Not racist at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the thing I was going to bitch about, which again isn't super fair is that 
the the bad guy's plan to like end um desegregation by stopping Rosa Parks. Like Rosa Parks is super important and everything, but segregation was going to happen with or without her at or some desegregation. point, hopefully. Well, so they mentioned Emmett Till at the beginning of this story and every major act of racial protesting during this time and every civil disobedience in relation to civil rights can all be linked to the Emmett Till case and like all over the South because it was such a big deal. And that was kind of the driving force of the, the civil rights push in the South during this time. And Rosa Parks wasn't even the first woman to be arrested for refusing to move on the bus. Uh, She was just the most famous. And I don't know exactly the reason for that. Maybe just a really good newspaper in her town. Or the fact that she worked, or the fact that she was friends with uh, Dr. Yeah, King. And so that's, that's what I was wondering. What was it the close proximity and like the group that they had? Maybe. But I mean, there were pockets of these groups all over the South and all over Alabama. And that's why Dr. King was there at the time, is because he was kind of traveling around from place to place. And so. Like, it's a complaint in that the bad guy's plan wouldn't have worked, which I kind of wish had been part of the story that, like, you can do whatever you want, space racist, but this is still going to happen no matter what you try. But it is also, like, not fair to take away from the importance of Rosa Parks. So, like, I don't like my idea either. <laughs> I just, I, I wish you could have told the Rosa Parks story while still, like, championing the rest of the movement in the area. Just be able to say, like, yeah, Rosa Parks is important, but, like, we're still going to do this. This is still going to, like, good will win, I guess, right. is kind of yeah. what, what you want. Like, you know, um, that's it. That's my only big problem. Question. Nope. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sam, what do you think? Questions? Uh, we can open the floor for questions now. All right, Tatters, go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Um... <laughs> Does anyone else think that Space Racist was kind of a waste of a character? Like, you you find out early on his transport device thing has been destroyed by the Doctor. His weapon of shoot him, go bye-bye is now in the hands of the Doctor. And you find out he's got an inhibitor in his brain that doesn't allow him to kill or hurt anyone. It's like, honestly, the Doctor could have just gotten everyone tied up space racist and then went on their day and solved it no problem instead they just let him go and create havoc like oh my god half this episode could have just been fixed by like oh you're not a threat let's just tie you up and put you in a box for a while are you assuming that a guy who can change a bus driver schedule is not a threat (laughs) (laughs) he flattened all those tires (laughs) he he, he was really out there he did it. And that's essentially what they did do, Terry. They just said, oh, you're ineffectual. We're just going to murder you. Well, they, well, they didn't Ryan do it until murdered. after. Yeah, he didn't do that until after all of the craziness that he <laughs> right. did. Yeah. Even worse, they already fixed everything. <laughs> just yeah. murdered him for fun. Yep. Yep. Uh, Which I'm kind of surprised uh, the doctor didn't say anything about that. 
Well, so are they just sent them tie? back in time, not murder. Technically, sent again, sent her back in time to dinosaur times. <laughs> are the time vortex bracelety thingies just laying around? How did he get one? You don't have a vortex. <laughs> he traded in the secret uh, jail place. Oh, in the storm cage prison. Isn't this like the third one we've seen? Right. So in RTD's time. They were, like, Jack had one because he used to be a time agent. So they're, like, the tool of time agents. And then when River gets one, she buys it off. um, The blue uh, guy, right? The blue guy. Uh, She buys it off him, and he says, oh, fresh off the wrist of a time agent. And so, like, he killed the time agent for it. So that seems to be where they're from. And, yeah, this guy, you know, just... uh, but funneled in some cigarettes and traded them for a <laughs> for a vortex manipulator. I'm a little upset. I don't have one yet. <laughs> a vortex manipulator. <laughs> yeah. They gotta make those, right? That's there's some merch somewhere for that. Oh yeah. Elon Musk, anybody? For real. Oh my gosh! Speaking of technology stuff, I love that Graham posed as Steve Jobs. that was just so funny (laughs) yeah it's a phone and a camera and uh it can send letters (laughs) absolutely insane he's so good Graham is a fantastic actor oh my god my favorite i laughed so hard at this but just when they first go into the warehouse and jody's at the suitcase they just found it's like oh my god what's in it let's open it and (laughs) Graham is just like what if it's a bomb? <laughs> and she's like, don't kill the mood, Graham. <laughs> yeah, Graham got shit on a lot in this one. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I love in the hotel where they're like kind of posing as a couple and Graham puts his hand on the doctor's shoulder yes. and she just gives him the most grossed out look. <laughs> like, you filth. Hey, Graham put his hand out for a fist bump from Ryan and Ryan fucking stiffed him. Just stiffed Graham. Ryan's low-key a dick. Well, that's their relationship. Like, he's still not impressed with Their relationship is that one of them's a dick. Yeah. I fucked your grandma. He should have just said it. He should have just done that and then walked off of of the camera. (laughs) Like, come on, Ryan. This dude's trying really hard. Let's do a tweet, huh? Um, Ode underscore Ollie at Ode underscore Ollie says, this is another long one. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) who gotta make sure i get my wind stretch out he says to me this is one of the best most affecting who stories properly shocking and very uncomfortable at times but done with so much light depth and tact it's also apparently a very controversial episode because god forbid we see some history in this time travel show cody uh the episode (laughs) doesn't hold back from showing the harsh realities of that time making it quite uncomfortable to watch but it's better for it, and so much more impactful. It makes points that, unfortunately, still resonate now, and the whole story is told with so much respect, and I think so much of the impact is down to the writing. Mallory Blackman, as well as being a long overdue milestone for the show, but I won't burn a fun fact for you, Jake, tells the story so well, giving Rose the struggle, the focus and attention it deserves without being detrimental to the rest of the story. She gives her she gives every character a role, and the importance of the story's message never lessens, and it feels like who should. Educational, but still exciting, important, and powerful, and so much of that is down to her. 
like the other episodes so far, this feels like a classic story, if not for Crass Nodar being a time traveler. I think it's Craster, but people like to make fun of his name. This could be a proper historical story. It's definitely the closest we've got yet, and I love that that makes the series feel like it's going back to its roots. I love that everyone gets something to do, too, especially after the lack of that in the last episode. And I like that all the efforts are for information or stopping Crasco, rather than the Doctor being the inspiration for Rosa, like I think may have happened if this was classic Who. I do feel that Graham is sidelined slightly, but that allows the story and its implications to be explored through Ryan and Yaz, and the scene between them outside the motel is so powerful. I always love when Who deals with the reality of contemporary life, and this does it so well. Yaz's scene with Rosa is wonderfully played too, showing there was more to her and her life than just the one famous action. The promise of tomorrow line is so powerful. And I think the scene of Ryan at the meeting is so cleverly done, showing the importance of the people around Rosa too. I don't really like how Ryan is written at the start of this with the comic relief lines. I'm not sure that having the black character in an episode about fascism being played as dumb uh, comes across very well. Having said that, I really like his last scene with Crasco standing up for himself and against bigotry, and the way he deals with him feels like something the Doctor may have done. Seeing Jody playing the Doctor is darker without her companions is so intriguing. Her scenes provoking Crasco have such an edge to them. Feels like she's testing and manipulating him. Feels very similar to the darker Seventh Doctor, and it's intriguing to see where that goes. It's always interesting to see under the Doctor's skin, especially when you can see their anger and outrage so clearly. Rosa herself is played so well by Vanette Robinson. She portrays her as someone so strong and inspiring, but human as well. She lets her anger bleed through in her confrontations with the drivers and her frustration with the Doctor and companions. Playing her as human and showing the side of her makes her portrayal so much more powerful and moving to watch. I like that we still get humor through the episode, giving a touch of lightness to a darker subject matter. Bradley Walsh plays the Steve Jobs scene brilliantly. It's good to see him leaning into his comedic roots. And the immediate contrast between that and Yaz's and Ryan's scene is such a clever move. While I would perhaps have liked longer to have spent on the Crasco denouement, I think giving the focus of the climax to denounce... He's making me read denouement now? <laughs> oh, Jesus. I think giving the focus of the climax to Rose's moment was always the best move, and it makes the episode so impactful. The direction of those final scenes is done so well, and the focus of Rose's determination makes it so powerful. The emotion of Graham's obviously painful reluctance is so affecting and heightens the effect Rose's stand has on us. I think the reverence the scene is shot with is completely deserved and makes the episode so impactful. The final scene in the TARDIS is wonderful. If it does feel a little bit like a footnote, it also shows so well the real impact that Rosa had on the world, letting the inspiration shine through. This episode is definitely a modern classic and deserves the acclaim it got, but I'm very intrigued as to what you all thought. Can't wait to hear what you think. And we'll finally be recording next week, so really looking forward to you hearing the pilot. Woohoo! Hey. Oh, baby! Gib. Nice. <laughs> There's a few things in there I meant to mention and wanted to talk about um oh yeah so one thing that is actually really good about this is it would be so tempting when writing a story like this and this is why you get someone like mallory blackman to come in and write for it um it'd be tempting to have the doctor or one of the companions like give rosa the idea to sit on the bus oh, or to yeah. not move oh yeah and that would just be like a huge mistake Right. Like, the the idea obviously has to come from that Rosa. would be really bad <laughs> but when writing the story it'd be really easy to and really tempting to do that so i was that's afraid good. Yeah. that was gonna come up when they talked about the bus boycott 
But then only the, the driver talked. Only the driver talked about it. I thought that um, just filling the bus was borderline doing that. Like, it was borderline forcing the event. Yeah, but they had to. I mean, you just to make, you mean just making the doctor and the companions be on there? Maybe that's why they had Ryan do it. Well, that was like Ryan recruiting everybody to be on the bus to make sure that there was Right, enough. like they could have they could have watched it from across the street and been equally sad and not had to. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Like ha- having them be a part of it is almost like having them give her the idea, but not quite. Maybe that's right. why they chose Ryan to recruit the people instead of the doctor. Because he wouldn't do a good job? <laughs> <laughs> that way it's not a white person interfering with the making of the bus being full. I don't know. No, I really liked how they were just kind of passengers of history and kind of being the time cops, like preserving it. They were the problem. That was kind of that was, was kind of <laughs> cool. When Ollie compares it to classic who it made me think about like the original TARDIS team because they in the 60s is when they had all the like pure historicals and really with the first doctor is kind of when they ended they did a couple more over the next 20 years but like literally two but back then they had like the young man the man who was younger than the doctor but was still like an adult who would be the guy to just fight and murder <laughs> And so comparing this to a classic episode makes me, in my mind, compare Ryan to Ian, the very first companion, and how Ian was just so fast to kill everybody. (laughs) And it was the best. And so I I want Ryan to be a little more murdery as we move forward in Doctor (laughs) Who. Murder Ryan. There's there's this episode Alex and I did recently. We just released it um, last week. Uh, called the Aztecs, where the first TARDIS team go to, you know, to the Aztecs. <laughs> and they mistake Barbara for a god, and so they have to, like, stay there for a while. And so when they first show up, this priest comes up, and he's like, oh, uh, your man here, pointing at Ian, must fight the leader of our armies to see who is worthy to lead the army. And the doctor's like, no, 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 that's fine. You guys, he, your guy can lead the army. That's fine. And then Ian, the companion just goes, no, 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 that's fine. I'll go fight him. <laughs> just, <laughs> <Yeah>. just leaves <laughs> to, to go murder somebody. It's like, I haven't had a good murder in like a day. <laughs> John, you guys got to watch more sixties doctor. Who. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty great. Mm-hmm. All right. What else y'all got? I like the fishing scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Sam, I was going to say, so you mentioned that they brought up the like the bus sit-in, but that was a story that they fabricated to get that guy off of the fishing. Like, he's like, not on my bus, and then that's what made him go back to work. Oh, yeah, I suppose they said a sit-in and not a boycott. Yeah, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a thing they were planning that they spread the word to other people to like make happen in the community it was just a lie that they told him but i thought that they were talking about the boycott that happened after so like talking about what happened but yeah you're right sam what was the thing that the doctor did in the hotel room that was great no i love the jake already talked about it um kind of we didn't really talk banksy i loved all of that 
<laughs> oh, <laughs> that's right. Oh my god, I laughed out loud the whole time. <laughs> Banksy doesn't have one of those. Or do or I? Or do I? <laughs> and I love how she like said, I, not does he. Like It was great. I loved it so much. <laughs> also that fancy pen where you can make it disappear. I like it. You mean the sonic screwdriver? I was going to say, I don't think that was a fancy pen. I think it was just a normal pen. The sonic screwdriver is the end-all be-all of ink. What do you guys think of Jody's pose she does every time she uses the sonic screwdriver? I suppose I hadn't noticed yet, but now it's probably going to be the only thing I notice. There were people around this time, or maybe after the last episode, that were starting to get mad about it. I think she does it quite a bit more. Yeah. Is it where she's like standing like... I don't know how to describe it. Like one foot in front she of the sta- Yeah, she order. sounds like she's going to draw a gun. Yeah, like yeah. one foot in front of the other and like the Sonic like straight ahead. Well, and she she first like points it straight up and then like fully extends her arm <laughs> okay. and then points it forward. But like watch in the next episode near the beginning, she goes to like open an up. They're at like an apartment complex and she just goes to open a door and she does this big exaggerated movement to use the Sonic uh, I don't care about it. I think it's fine. But there are people around this time that started bitching about that. I was going to say, like, that's a pretty common arm motion from a lot of doctors anyway. Like, I remember Matt Smith doing that a lot. And Capaldi did that sometimes of just like the sc- screwdriver up to down motion of like out. Um, I think she, her doctor, again, of just seeing how physical she's playing the doctor like i think that's completely in character for her to just being large and exaggerated with all of her movements well and matt smith had legit gun battles with his so they can all <laughs> but fuck like off. with nothing matt <laughs> with smith nothing, had yeah. gun battles with air because he just can't sit still it's great he was constantly fighting a shadow man that you couldn't see <laughs> yeah well, we're three episodes into this new era. Are you guys starting to jive with Jody at all? Um, yeah, I'm kind of jiving with Jody. I am off the pants train. I hate the pants. The pants are so bad. <laughs> I also, like the color of her shirt more compared to like the first time we saw it. I think that color was either really weird, but it looked like super black with a rainbow across it. I think it's blue. But this one was like maroon with a rainbow across it. Talking about her pants... Maybe she's a trendsetter because skinny jeans are out and big, fat, flowy pants are in now, so. Finally. <laughs> for girls, not for guys. Oh, no. speaking of clothing, I was, again, like, I always love it when they go back in time or are stuck in a time period of where, oh, God, we're in, like, a specific thing that they dress appropriately for it to where, like, in my head, like in the cafe where a bunch of them are like, you can't be served here. Part of me also wanted to be like, what the hell are you wearing? Get out of here. It's (laughs) like, no one is bringing up that all of these styles are like way not popular at these times. Like what is going on? They're probably more worried about the color of the skin than the clothing. Yeah. The doctor showing way too much collarbone, right? Her (laughs) ankles are everywhere. (laughs) It's not the 1850s. <laughs> most of them are wearing jeans and a t-shirt with like a jacket over it. Like it's not wild. And 
also they're british so like <laughs> i'm sure everyone in america in the 50s in the south is like oh they're british whatever that's fair anyway did you have another tweet i do from chris at this emo trash uh he says this is a very difficult episode to watch but that's a part of what makes it so powerful and an instant classic we probably have differing points of view over how accurate or good this was as rosa park and the civil rights movement in general isn't taught that much in the uk but that doesn't lessen the impact at all. Guess what? We live in the north uh, middle of <laughs> the states. It's not taught here either. <laughs> uh, for once, instead of creating history, the doctor just has to protect it. Rather ironically, fulfilling the Time Lord oath to protect and observe rather than interfere. And then let history take its natural course as it should. Ryan and Yaz actually serve a purpose here, especially as to show how racism affects people in the modern world. Which, as a white person, I'll never exactly have to experience. I do feel this would have worked better as a pure historical, as Crasco isn't exactly the best villain we've ever had, and his motivations aren't very clear. As you can imagine, this episode was quite controversial at the time, uh, two years ago, but that just shows how important it is to make these kinds of episodes, as unfortunately some people still think that way, and having TV and films clearly showing how wrong and backwards it is can help bring about change, even if it's a kid realizing for the first time his black class weights are treated differently by teachers or anything similar. It is strange to think that what is shown as historical is still within living memory. The queen was on the throne at this point. My grandparents can probably remember reading about it in the papers. Alex, I think your dad was alive. Doctor Who itself was less than 10 years away from being made. This isn't the best episode of Doctor Who, but it is one of the best of the whole Chibnall era. And then he gives his best wishes to Sam on her upcoming expulsion of life. Expulsion. Oh, God. That, that, that was my words. He said something okay. nice. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's quite a descriptor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is sometimes weird to think about these things and how quite recent they were. The fact that some of our parents were alive. Our grandparents would have been old enough to, you know, read about it, watch it. Speaking of how shitty our education system is sometimes when it comes to civil rights, um, I had never heard of Emmett Till before this episode, which was two and a half years ago. So one of the things Doctor Who is supposed to do and should be good at doing is giving little droplets of history here and there so that a kid at home or a 36-year-old at home could be like, oh, I'm going to go look that up. And then I did, and I learned about Emmett Till, and then I was talking recently with my niece, and being like, I went to a good school. By good, I mean, like, the school has a lot of money, there's a lot of extracurriculars, there's a lot of elective classes you can take to learn things, to go into a whole bunch of different fields of study when you get to college. But, like, we never learned anything about the civil rights movement, apart from, like, all the, like, major hit points you learn and maybe you spend a day on Rosa Parks or half of a class. And then she was like, oh, I, I wrote a paper on Emmett Till. <laughs> and I'm like, well, fuck. She lives in Seattle where it's a little more hippy-dippy and I'm sure they get to learn more. And she goes to a truly rich school. That's I did not know the name Emmett Till, so. Well, then since then, I've at least heard him referenced in like three other TV shows and movies. So maybe I had heard the name before and just didn't think anything of it there's a, a really good 
one of one of Dave Chappelle's Netflix specials. He talks about it, and it's really good and funny, of course. Uh, so the next one I was going to make after asking you guys what you thought of Jody so far. Jill, you didn't answer. How are you feeling about Jody? So I I like her, but I don't think we've really gotten to know her. It's kind of weird, like just jump in and she's super lighthearted. And if that's her, that's great. Kind of feels weird. Like every other doctor we've seen has had some like question mark moments. That she doesn't seem to have yet. Like, she just jumps in and she's like, yep, got this, let's go. Seems weird to me. So, I don't know. I think that might, now that you say that, I haven't really thought about this. That might also kind of be a callback to classic Doctor Who, like 60s in particular. Like, the Doctor was supposed to be, like, a mystery. And the story's about the companions. And in modern Who, we've gotten a lot more familiar with the doctors as we've gone on and so maybe at least at this point that's intentional but i don't know that does make sense and i did think at some point during this episode i was like oh i really liked capaldi i didn't think i was ready for another doctor or the next doctor but this just feels right so like i don't miss capaldi so like oh i wish she would do this different or this different like she's just a completely new thing who just jumps right in and I guess I, I have enjoyed that. It's it's definitely different than what we've seen from previous Doctors, but I've liked the character so far. Let me ask you guys all what you think about this, and then we'll move on. There were, they were just starting at this time, but they would increase complaints by people saying that she's just doing a David Tennant impression. Hmm. I don't get that at all. No. She seems... Pretty damn unique to me. She has scrunch face. Scrunch face hard. (laughs) Whatever the picture is, like when you go to the episode, it's a scrunch face and it's great. (laughs) All right. Alex, give me that fun facts theme song. Fun, fun facts. Fun, fun facts. Fun facts. All right, we already said that Mallory Blackman's the first woman of color to write a Doctor Who story. Um, this is also the first time since Earthshock in 1982 that the Doctor Who theme did not play over the end credits. I was, oh, it, yeah. It was, it was just the... Rise uh, Up. It was rise, rise Up. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't like that. Oh, speaking <laughs> of, Rise Up, I believe, is by a person of color, right? Yeah, it's yes, Andrew Day. That it makes it so much better. Yeah. I love it. I just watched, she did a performance. They did like this uh, like virtual inauguration parade. And she did a performance like on a rooftop all by herself. And I, I watched it right before we started. It was okay. Performance Arise Up? Yep. Oh. Has she done any other songs that I would know? I don't know. I tried looking her up, and I, I, I want to say I recognized her, but she's also like an actress, so maybe I just recognize something that she was in. Well, spoiler for my MVP, but Andrew Day not only did this song, but just today got nominated for a Golden Globe 
for oh, acting in some movie that no one's seen because <laughs> movies don't exist. Uh, so yeah, big day for her, both a Golden Globe nomination and an MVP in Married to Who. <laughs> <laughs> Vinette Robinson played Rosa. She's been in a Doctor Who episode we've seen, and when we saw it, we mentioned, hey, she's going to play Rosa Parks. Do you guys remember who it was? Nope. She played the Doctor Abby Lerner in the episode 42. She got, she was like in the medical bay investing or trying to help the guy who first got like taken over by the sun demon and then it like vaporized her up against the wall oh, and it was just like the silhouette yeah. of her. I, okay, whenever no, I think hospital, I always think of like cat people. But yeah, no, <laughs> totally. 42 was so She's, eh. Yeah. She's also in four episodes of Sherlock as one of the cops that, like, is, you know, frequents the show. Uh, meaning she has worked for all three modern-day Doctor Who showrunners. Wow. That's quite an accolade, yeah. I think. That yeah. is a fun fact. Does oh anybody else have that accolade? Or is that, like, a common thing? Uh, David Tennant. Ah, uh, yeah, I imagine David Tennant would have that accolade. And I'm sure we can find some instance of Olivia Coleman working with RTD. Yeah, I'm sure there's quite a few. <laughs> um, she also played pilot Tice in The Rise of Skywalker. So she's all over the place. God damn, really? Oh, now I need to figure out who Tice is because I just watched that <laughs> not too long ago. I'm sure it's like a flash of a scene. Morgan Deer played Arthur. He was the guy... When when Ryan's trying to get people on the bus and he runs up to those old that old couple and he's like, No, no, it's okay, the bus <laughs> and the guy the guy's like, Get away from me, boy. Um that's what I'm talking about. He played Hawk in three episodes of Delta and the Bannerman, a nineteen eighty seven Doctor Who story. Nice. So welcome back, Morgan Deer. Just so you could be a crabby old yeah. man <laughs> to play this racist man. Speaking of, what did you guys think of how, like, the recreation of 50s Alabama? It's terrifying. Or 50s Montgomery. Oh I mean, the, God, the location, yeah. the place. Well, yeah, I mean, it looked good. I liked it. <laughs> the yeah. set was really cool. Oh, I pointed out the cars. The cars yeah. were sick. Well, what's exceptional about it is that this was shot in South Africa. What? They brought all those cars there. Oh my god, that's a shipping cost. Well, they have no, they have a <laughs> film industry in South Africa, so they have like this town created for like productions to go shoot in. Wow. Just like with in Matt Smith's time when they went to go do that western, they went to Spain because Spain has all those spaghetti western towns built from the. Uh, Sergio Leone movies like some of the stuff last week from uh, Ghost Monument was shot there too South, and they'll go there for a couple episodes next season too it's like their new place is South Africa during huh. the Chibnall era Alex give me that MVP theme song MVP Who's your MVP, Alex? I'm going to give it to Rosa Parks, the actress. 
Vinette Robinson. She's great. Jill. I was going to say, sorry that I already forgot the name of the lady who played Rosa Parks, but since Alex forgot it before <laughs> me, but it blah, 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 blah. You forgot <laughs> it. I pay attention to Sam? Graham? What? Maybe? I don't know, you guys. You guys I don't know. I... It's Rosa Parks. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you, you got your words wrong. So Bradley Walsh. Yeah. The the one of the four of them who did the least in the story. I, he had comedic relief that was kind of needed in some parts, <laughs> which made it a, like not so serious. So, Chibno. Cody. <laughs> Vinette Robinson. Terry. So you guys are probably going to hate me, but I'm actually giving mine to Trevor White, who played James Blake, the bus driver. Um, oh, no. Just because of to play opposite of Rosa Parks to be such a despicable person all the time in every and scene. And his last name's White. I know. <laughs> just doesn't add to it. But like he just... The amount of hatred down. that you have to have in yeah. yourself just to play these scenes is so much energy. It takes it's... a lot to to play, like to make your character hated. Yes, and he did it very well. And just to have that mindset too of just like, I could be perfect friends with her, but I have to hate her so much every time I see her. Like that's so hard. That's why I give it to him. In the same vein, the waitress from the cafe, because she was a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, I was going through her IMDb. She's doing pretty good for herself. She wasn't in anything that we would talk about, but uh, she's successful. After that super downer that Terry just gave us, oh, it is now time for everybody's new favorite podcast game. Guess what episode it is from the cast? It, it Not from just, the cast, from the characters. It may just be your favorite. Yeah. I, think we, I think we all hate it. We have so favorite? much stress. Yes. But once these start airing, you'll find that it's more fun for the listeners who are more important than the five of you. <laughs> True. You're welcome, listeners. In this game... I have randomly selected five episodes from New Who that these five people have seen before, and I will read the list of characters in that episode from IMDb from the bottom of the list to the top, going around the circle one at a time. I'll read a name. The person gets to guess what episode it is. They don't have to say the exact title of the episode. They could just kind of tell me what it's about or who's in it or whatever. What I won't accept is if I'm like... Oh, Richard Nixon is in this. And then you go, it's the one with Richard Nixon. That's not good enough. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> well, I'm screwed then. <laughs> I have randomly selected the order ahead of time, and it will go Jill, Cody, Terry, Sam, Alex. Jill, are you ready? Yes. The bottom name on this list of characters is Young Landlord. I'm going to go with the one where they're... Oh, I'm going to do um, 
Rose and Rose's mom in the apartment. Not the first episode. Rose's mom. With- <laughs> Sorry, that makes Jackie. Me Thanks. <laughs> uh, and trying. You know to, what? Trying just for specific- just for remembering the name Jackie, I would give it to you if that was it. But it's okay. not. Okay. Thanks. The next name, Cody, is estate agent. Is this the one where Matt Smith moves into James Corden's house and there's like Ooh, somebody living upstairs? Is a really good guess. It is not. That was Fuck. my guess. Terry, the next name is Pavel. Oh, that's so familiar. Oh no. Um, so part of me wants to I'm, say... I'm gonna put a timer oh, on Terry's no, it, from now on. No, it's the um uh, is it the one with the kid? And he does the, like, the dollhouse thing, because, like, the one landlord is, it like, is not. really me. Ah, dang it. Sam, the next name is Felicity. God, that's really familiar, too. Um, what? I don't know. Can I just want to skip. I have no idea. Cody <laughs> took my one that I was thinking of. Yeah. Alex, the next name is Paul. Jesus. Is always with you. Some, I, is he? <laughs> That's what my grandma tells are me. You, are you sure? Like, I was going to guess the one Terry said, and then you said Paula. That makes me think, is that one even more? <laughs> oh, well, fuck me then. Fuck. Maybe uh, Jake's wrong. <laughs> yeah, like you should have let me finish. <laughs> the Yeah, it's not the ones with the creepy, like, wooden dolls. Is that your guess? I mean, it's the same as Terry's. So if I get it, Terry got it. <laughs> uh, it is not. Jill, the next name is Harry. Pa- Can you repeat? Pavel, Paul, and Harry. <laughs> Pavel. Those are the. <laughs> I will repeat Paul, all of them. Harry. Young landlord, estate agent, Pavel, Felicity, Paul, Harry. Felicity. <gasps> oh! Who's after me? Cody. <laughs> it's um, the the person who said. <gasps> it's the and then one almost said what it is. Where they go to the restaurant. It's not. It's fine. Go to Cody. <laughs> Cody. The next name is Shireen. Is it the the Poro dude one? Yeah. Fuck oh, yeah. No. The landlord. Knock, knock. Holy oh. shit. I can't I, fucking believe it. Me? I thought of that one, but it's like he's not young. Which <laughs> which one is this? The Poirot. one where Poirot has a mom, but she's made out of wood, and so he kills all of Bill's roommates. Yeah. Oh. I legit when Alex for some reason I thought that was the one with the wooden dolls. I don't remember the monster from that one. I think the wooden doll is the monster. Yeah, the wooden yeah. doll is because the, the kid is blinking and then the putting his boy. fears into this cabinet, and it was Matt Smith. He's like, "Well, I wonder what's in the cabinet." Right? And he's like, "Don't, don't do it." Oh yeah, yeah. Young, he's not young. That's not a young landlord. There's yeah, he's he doesn't get a name in the story, so he's just landlord. And there is a flashback to when he's a little boy, so that character is credited as young landlord. Oh, who named these characters? All right. The rest of the names are Eliza, Landlord, Nardal, Bill, and the Doctor. 
So that's one for Cody. Cody, it's your turn to go first. When they said wooden Easy. dolls, I really thought that's the one they were talking about. <laughs> so much wood in Doctor Who. Uh, especially Stephen Moffat, Doctor Who, that fucking pervert. <laughs> Cody, your <laughs> okay. first name from the bottom of the list is Prentice. Fuck. I would not have gotten it off this one, but I'd have been really mad that I didn't. Oh. Uh, is it the one where I can't even think of an episode when I put on the spot like this? <laughs> I need more names. It's the the one where the Dalek said you would be a good Dalek. It's uh, <laughs> that's all of them. It's Peter Capaldi, and he's like Terry. The next name <laughs> is Pritchard. Oh, God, that's so familiar. Uh, so I'm kind of going off of Prentice, but I'm thinking it's the one with the cat nurses and the face of Bo. Nope. Damn it. Sam, the next name is Bennett. Okay, so that one seems familiar. Man, I don't know. This game. Pass. <laughs> um, Alex, the next name is O'Donnell. Okay. Sam, you could have said a episode. It's it's an episode. It's it's a it's a big it's a big external TARDIS team. Like it's one of those that's uh like Satan's Pit esque where there's like a crew that the the doctor shows up on. And I wanna say, is it the one where they're fighting um the uh like the sleepiness where like the dust in the eyes get like monsters? <laughs> no no fuck okay jill you can do this the next name is lun <laughs> this is so sorry funny. sorry i don't I know, know so bad for jill. that that name is not helpful but i just mean you can do this no, based on the previous names <laughs> alex one. just gave a big clue to everybody he's absolutely right okay satan's pit Great guess. It is not that. I was really hoping it was that. I knew it wasn't. I knew it wasn't Satan's Pit. But, but it'd be great if it was. But that would have Satan been so funny because you literally said that day. Yeah. That's the only Cody, one I the can... the next one is Cass. Oh, Prentice, Pritchard, and Cass. Cass is so Is this so the one familiar. where they're on the moon base and like the water turns you into an alien thing? Waters of Mars? Not the moon. It's Mars. Oh, my. But no. <laughs> it's not that one. Oh, I have a guess. I've I have another guess. I have now. a guess Terry, too. The next name is Moran. We'll go through all of them again. Prentice, Pritchard, Bennett, O'Donnell, Lunn, Cass, Moran. Oh fuck. I think I actually do know it. Ah, uh, damn it. So my brain was thinking it's Oh no. It's the okay. only thing you got the things, dude. Yeah. Um <laughs> Is it the one where it's it's a spaceship that's underground and it has carrying a coffin? of a dead alien bad guy and the doctor went back in time and not back in time. Yeah, he did. And it had like the etching on the inside that if you read it into the eyeball, it was burned into your head. And then the ghosts and it's underwater and, um, Clara's there and it's good. <laughs> and I don't know how else to say this. I don't know the title of it. This no, you're right. It's under the lake. Oh, yay! <laughs> I just wanted to see how long you would spin oh. in circles for. <laughs> yeah, 
um, under the lake and before the flood is the two-parter. This is the first part of the two-parters. The rest of the names were Clara and the Doctor. <laughs> we're going to get any more help. <laughs> Yay! Uh, <laughs> I, that's not the one. I thought it was going to be the Christmas yeah. episode. Because the, the Pritchard, Pritchard, however you say it, um, re- like triggered a thing. And it was because of the scene when he was facing away on the wall and he was dead. And yeah. And uh, oh, I think it was yeah. Clara kept saying, Pritchard, what are you doing? Where have you been? Because they were like yep. looking for him. Alex, give me that Paper Crumple Thief song. This has been Married to Who's episode on Rosa. If you'd like to participate in our socials and be a part of the show, you can do so. Do so. And Married to Who Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram, Married to Who. You can email us, Married to Who at gmail.com. If you want to listen to this episode in some different way, we are on Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to all of our episodes all the way back to the beginning on our website, Married to Who.com. On behalf of myself, Jake. The Marrieds, Cody, Sam, Jill, and Alex, and our producer Terry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Arachnids in the UK. Do 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 do